How many of you have ever been called, if you'd admit it, a negative Nelly? Now, now I'll say negative Nelly because I, I could say negative Nancy, but I know too many Nancys, so I don't want to offend anybody. Or I could say negative Ned, but my brother-in-law's name Ned, so I don't want to offend my brother-in-law. Um, so what, what is a negative Nelly? What, what is someone, have you been called a negative Nelly? Now, the only really Nelly I really know or can think of is Nelly on Little House on the Prairie. And she was pretty negative, wasn't she? She was pretty mean. Um, so what does that mean? Well, if, if you're a negative Nelly or... It, it, it's someone who consistently criticizes or complains. And, you know, they're they good at finding fault with something. They can always find some fault with something. Isn't it so much fun to be around those types of people, just the negative people? I mean, it's just fun and just to hang out with them. But think to yourself, would you tend to see yourself as a more positive person or a more negative person. And I know that if, if you were to see yourself as a more negative person, they would tend to say, well, no, I'm not negative. I'm just realistic. That's what I am. I'm realistic. Okay. Now, I have to admit that I am not very positive or optimistic, especially when I'm watching my sports teams. So if I'm watching the Bills, it can turn from elation to deflation within a matter of minutes. And if I'm, especially if I'm watching the game with Kathleen, she'll say, you know, the Bills, oh, they can turn it around. They'll, you know, she's very positive. And I'll say, no, they stink. My life is ruined, right? And isn't it amazing how in just a matter of seconds our positivity can turn negative really quick. And what I want to look at, and we've been looking at this over the last couple of months, is this battle with our mind. And what we've discovered over the last month, that our greatest struggle comes from within, not necessarily from without. And our greatest battles come from our minds. And it's interesting. I, I, I love hearing people's stories that have overcome tremendous odds or overcome really huge obstacles in their lives. And many of you here today or watching online, you, you have may, are facing something right now or have overcome extreme things in your past, in your life. And it, it's usually not those external things that, that get us. Uh, it's amazing the fortitude we can have to make it through really difficult things. And what we may have thought like, oh, I lost this job and I thought everything was over and all of a sudden something worked out and we got through it or whatever the, the trial or the turmoil may be. But the biggest struggle we have is within our, our minds. We all struggle with our thought life. Can I get an amen? Can we all just be honest with ourselves this morning? We all struggle with our thought lives. We struggle with doubt. We struggle with fear. We struggle with negativity. We struggle with insecurity. And, and, and there will always be, you know, the question of how do I correctly battle these detrimental thoughts, these negative thoughts that can so easily creep into my mind. I mean, think about it for a moment. You can be having a great day, and all of a sudden you have this, like, crazy thought from your past. Or something will creep into your mind, some guilty feeling or, or some bad decision you made in your past, and that can creep in and just ruin your day if, if, if you constantly uh, pursue that and think about those things. So how do we battle these negative thoughts that are in our mind? I love turning to the Word of God, and I, wanna, I want us to, to look at Psalm 94 today, and I want to see how the psalmist dealt with extreme things that, that they were faced with in their lives, but how did they work through it? How many of us know that there are always going to be difficult things in our lives? 
Did, did God promise us a hunky-dory world where everything was perfect? No, absolutely not. And so how do we traverse through this world and the problems but still be encouraged and have a joy that, that the world cannot give us? Listen to what the psalmist says, Psalm 94, starting with verse 16. It says, Who will protect me from the wicked? Who will stand up for me against evildoers? Unless the Lord had helped me, I would soon have settled in the silence of the grave. And I cried out, I am slipping. But your unfailing love, O Lord, supported me. When doubts filled my mind, your comfort gave me renewed hope and cheer. Now, here's the thing I think we battle with is when we battle with the negativity or the, all those difficult things in our lives, it depletes us of this hope that the Lord desires to give us each and every day. Notice what the psalmist says. He says, renew that hope. Your love renewed. He's not saying that the situation was any easier or that, that they weren't going to still face that same situation tomorrow. But what the psalmist was saying was, you renewed my hope because I based it in something different than my circumstance. See, that's the struggle we all have, is when we base our hope or our joy in our surrounding circumstances. If I do that, then how many know your life's going to be like a yo-yo? It's going to be up and down. It's going to be like riding on a roller coaster ride. You're going to feel good one day, and you're going to hit a low the next day. How do we stay consistent even though we battle in a, a difficult world, even though we battle with negative thoughts? The psalmist gives us some great insight here. You see, at the core of our negativity is doubt. And, and what the psalmist does here, which is amazing, is that the circumstances, many times our circumstances will rattle our commitment to the Lord or his, ultimately, his commitment to us. Have you ever felt that way where like you're going through this circumstance and you just feel like the psalmist? I'm at my wit's end. I'm done. Pastor, I'm ready to tap out. Maybe you're here today or online and you're just, you're, you're, you're done. You're ready to, to, to tap out. And here the psalmist is like, man, I, I, am, I am done. What was the thing that renewed their strength or renewed their joy or renewed their hope? See, the problem with doubt is when we doubt the love of God. And what the psalmist does is he goes back to that firm foundation of God's character and who he is. And so he didn't doubt the character of God. What helped him through this struggle and his doubts was the character of God because the character of God never changes. Always remember this, that God is good. That God is always good. That doesn't mean our circumstances are good or what we faced in our past or maybe the things that were done to us were good, but God is always good. And I want you to notice the question raised in the psalm. The psalmist says, who will protect me? Who will stand for me? And we've all had those thoughts like, God, if you've left me here, why am I going through this? Is, is your love still there? How is this thing going to work out? And we all have those questions. What if I get a bad report from the doctor? What if I lose my job? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if this goes? What if this goes? What if this goes this way? What's going to happen? What's going to happen? You see, if you experience something bad in your life or something very traumatic in your life or had a difficult experience, you will filter your thoughts through them. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. So much of the way we think and, and, and how and research has shown this and how we think about 
our, our future circumstances or these experiences we have are, 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 are really filtered through these experiences that we have had in our past or maybe some traumatic thing that has happened in our past. So if you had a bad experience in your past, let's say, let's pick on church for a minute. Maybe you had a, a bad church experience and, and you could easily filter your thoughts about any church through those experiences. And, and I've seen that happen in many ways with some people that have had bad experience and they come into the church and they're, they're so careful not to be vulnerable or they're so careful like, is this going to happen in this church? Are people going to let me down? So on and so forth. How many know that church is full of people? Look around. There's a lot of people here, right? There's people here, right? And if it's full of people, guess what? It's messy, right? It's, not, it's, it's full of people and it's messy and there's problems and we've got to deal with each other and we've got to work through relationships. Amen? That's why we need the love of Christ. Hold another sermon for another day. But anyways, it, the church is full of people. So maybe, maybe you had this bad experience. And so someone would say that all churches are the same. You know, maybe they would say, well, they're all judgmental because that's what I experienced. Or they're all full of hypocrites because that's what I experienced. And you might, uh, you might have, that might be true for some churches, but is that true for all churches? Or if you had a bad experience with a Christian and about the way they act, many times we'll make this generalized statement about all Christians, but are all Christians that way? And someone might have a really negative experience. However, are all churches that way? Absolutely not. You can have two people who can experience the same thing and have completely different views on that experience. Have you ever done that? Have you ever watched a movie with someone and then you get done with the movie and you talked about it and you had two totally different pictures of that movie? One person said, this is the greatest thing I've ever saw in my life. This is so amazing. It touched me so deeply. I, I just, I can't get over it. And the other person says, eh, it was all right. Eh, it was, you're like, What? That's what I get when we watch Rocky with Kathleen because I'm like, Kathleen, this is the best movie in the world. How can you not see this? She's like, eh, it's okay. It doesn't, you know, I, I can take her to leave. I go, so every time Rocky comes on, I'm watching. She goes, are you watching Rocky again? I go, it's just so good. Dun, dun, da, 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 da. Anyways, okay. So we can take these different experiences and amazing, so you, amazing how we can look at things differently depending on how we filter our past or things that have happened in our past. So you can have two people that come to church and they'll look at it. If they've had a negative experience, they'll come in guarded. They're, they're already guarded. So they'll come in and they're, if, you know, is anybody talking to me? Right? So they'll get, are you talking to me? So anyways, you, you get done with that service and they may, one person may walk out and have the experience like, no one said hi to me. And, um, you know, the preaching was just, eh, it was okay. The pastor put me to sleep. Or you can have somebody in that same service walk away and say, man, that church was so friendly, and that was the best preaching I've ever heard in my entire life. That's most of the comments we get from Living Word. But anyways, no, I'm just teasing, (laughs) teasing, teasing, teasing. You might have gotten hurt in a relationship, and now it's difficult for you to trust people. Right? To To be vulnerable. Because those negative thoughts rule your mind. And, it, and, and we say to ourselves, is this going to happen to me again? So what we do is we filter those negative thoughts through the filter of our past, of these uh, things that have happened to us. So your filter would be is not to trust people because maybe you got burned in the past. You see, the reality is not what is true or factual, but the filter we use is based on what we've experienced many times in our past. And we, we've all done this, and we all struggle with this. We tend to fill in the things we don't know. I call them the gaps, 
we tend to fill in the unknown gaps, usually with negative things or worst case scenarios. Listen, we do this all the time. It, it, it's like if someone, I'm just going to be, I'll be honest with you. If someone gets, and it's okay if you get up during the service, I'm not going to think bad about you, okay? But sometimes when people get up during the service, I go, oh, you know, uh, uh, during like a really hard point that I may maybe make into my message, I'm like, were they offended? Are they mad? Are they leaving the church? What's going? That, that's usually what I'm going through in my mind. Have you ever thought the way, or if, or if you post something online and usually someone that comments or likes it, they don't. You're like, why is that person not liking my comment? Why aren't they commenting? What? If, they used to be my friend, and then you're checking to see if they unfriended you or something, right? Have you ever done? So we usually tend, and then the person like, that's right. I had to use the bathroom. Sorry, I, I love you, Pastor. Okay. So if you get up and leave, just say, Pastor, I love you. Good preaching. Just got to use the bathroom. No, I'm just teasing. Okay. So listen, we, we tend not to go to the positive or give people the benefit of the doubt. We tend to go right to the negative. Now, I don't know about you, but that's many, that's how I am many, many times. So you can have two people experience something and look at it completely different by the filter or the things that have happened in their lives and they filter that in their future. And so I want to look at these things and how do we deal with these and this understanding of knowing that we all battle with these things and not to allow um, our negative thoughts or the things in our past to dominate our thinking that causes us to spiral downward and just to become a, a person who easily become bitter. How many of you know that when we allow those things or bad experiences in our lives. And if, if we allow those to become captive within our hearts, it can create bitterness. It can be a root of bitterness in our heart. We, beca- we can become cynical, and, and it can harden our hearts to hearing Christ and his grace and his love for us. So I want us to dig into that. So, so we're all slanted in one way, depending on our experiences. We just have to know that about ourselves. So how do we correctly battle negative thoughts that come into our minds, and how do we keep our thoughts from running away from us and going to a bad place? Now, is it just thinking happy thoughts? That's not what the psalmist is telling us here. What is at the heart of Psalms 94? I want you to notice the words the psalmist uses. They say, who will protect me? Who will stand up for me? And so there are the negative thoughts. Now, if we run with this, we're going to be overwhelmed. If we run with this, we're going to be overwhelmed. So what the Psalms is going through is at the point of being overwhelmed, wanting to to give up. And so these are the negative thoughts. Now, the psalmist says, if I allowed these thoughts to take root, I would have gone to a bad place. I would have gone to the grave. So how do we catch those doubtful negative thoughts and not take us to a bad place? Notice how the psalmist deals with his heart and his thoughts and his struggles. He said, unless the Lord had helped me, I would have given up. So it's not that he wasn't going through something difficult. It's not that he didn't have negative thoughts. He knew where to take those right away. He knew where to turn. The psalmist gives us a different perspective on how we battle with our mind. See, when doubt overtakes our mind, remember that the care and the goodness of God are always there. The care and the goodness of God are always there. 
So what the psalmist is doing is he's relying on the character of God more than he's relying on the circumstances or the situation that surrounds him that could easily cause him to go to a dark place. See, let me just share with you a a thing that I think we miss many times in American churches. And I think sometimes we look at the gospel with um, American eyes. And what do I mean by that? Listen to me closely here. Do we, can we admit that we live in a blessed country? I mean, it, I've been on probably 27 missions trips, 28 overseas, stateside. And you get a really different perspective when you go to many countries. And you see the conditions of the living conditions and so on and so forth. And it gives you a much different perspective. When we come back here, we just realize, you know, what, what we do have and the access that we have to health care and so on and so forth. Is everything perfect here? Absolutely not. But we are blessed. And we have a lot of things that are afforded to us because we live in the United States. And, and I think we have this mentality that, that we're deserved something. Or we're entitled. See, here's where we need to be careful. Is I think sometimes when things don't go our way or things haven't worked out the way we wanted them to, we wonder like, what did I do wrong? Or am I not doing enough? Or does God not love me? The psalmist never doubted the love of God. Never doubted the goodness of God. Even though they were struggling in their situation. Listen, I don't... I don't know why you have gone through the things that you've gone through in your life or maybe what's happened to you in your past or why things have worked out the way they, the way they did. I, I wish I could have the answer for you on all those things. But if I don't go back to the goodness and the love of God, those things will tank me. Those situations and what's happened to me in the past or why people do what they do will literally tank me if I don't go back to understanding the character and the goodness of God that even though these situations aren't great, God is still good. And that God is still working through those things even though I may not see it. I can trust God enough to believe in his character that he is good and that he is true and he is faithful. And I have to remind myself of that consistently or otherwise we can go to very negative places. And that's what the psalmist does. And so what are we encouraged to do? Well, the psalmist cried out. He says, I'm slipping. And so he was honest with, with the feelings of, of slipping and falling away. The psalmist realized that God's unfailing love was there. If God's unfailing love, it was his love, it was his love, that supported him and supports us. You see, God cares for us and renews our hope and brings us that joy. And so the psalmist says, if I didn't turn to the Lord in his character, I wouldn't have had that renewed sense of hope and joy that I have in the Lord. And I think for some of you, your joy has been depleted. Your hope has been depleted because of the circumstances or your past and they creep up on you and they want to rob you of the character of God that he desires to give to you each and every day, that renewed sense of hope. And listen, you've got to fight for that. You have to be proactive because listen, if you're not being proactive, something else is going to fill that spot in your life. And so it's remind yourself, I talked to somebody after this, the first service and, and just great question about how do I stay focused at work and I get so immersed in all that stuff and I forget about the goodness of God and so many things overwhelm me so, so easily. And it, it's, it's that reminder every single day 
that God is there. So whether it, it's at your desk putting that, you know, putting just a, a verse there to remind, like you look at it like, okay, God is good. Or maybe just as simply writing something out on a post-it note by saying, God is good. Stick it on your dashboard. Every time you look at it, you just say, God is good. Stick it on your refrigerator. Every time you go and open your refrigerator for the 50th time that day, you're reminded, God is good. God is good. God is faithful. When you wake up in the morning, you proclaim his faithfulness. God, early in the morning, when I rise, I will proclaim your faithfulness. I don't know what's going to happen today, but I know you're faithful. And I know you're good. And I know you love me. You've got to, you have to be proactive. You've got to fight for it. Because otherwise, something else will take that spot. And if you don't think the enemy's at work trying to discourage and to move us away from the Lord, then we need to get our heads out of the sand. And I want us to remind you, I want to remind you that Jesus, through his work on the cross and through his resurrected, through his resurrection, resurrection, disarmed the powers and the authorities of the enemy that held us captive to doubt and fear over death. We don't have that any longer through Christ Jesus. So what do we have to fear? Nothing. Because we know that we are his and that our future is with him for eternity. And so the psalmist realized that God's unfailing love was there. It was God's unfailing love that supports us. So just remind yourself that God's love is greater than my doubts. And how many know we're all going to doubt at time? You know, it, we're, we're going to have times where we're just going to doubt. We're going to, why is this going on? I don't know. But if we're honest with ourselves, go back to the character and unfailing love of the Lord. God can handle your doubts. God can handle you being raw before him. God can handle you crying out to him saying, Jesus, I don't know what else to do. I'm at my wit's end, but I know you're there. And I know you'll sustain me. I don't feel it right now. I feel like I'm at my wit's end, but I know you're there. Rely on the character of God. And I want you to see what the psalmist proclaims at the end of this psalm. I love this. In in verse 22, it says, But the Lord has become my fortress, and my God the rock in whom I take refuge. So the psalmist, instead of running to that negativity or those doubts or immersing deeper and deeper into these negative things, he runs to God, which is his fortress, and he takes refuge in knowing that God will ultimately protect him. See, God is greater than all my doubts. It doesn't matter what happens in this world. God is ultimately in control. So with all my doubts, I'm going to run to God and he's my protector. That's what the psalmist tells us. He, he's being honest with the feelings and the doubts and wanting to give up. But then he knows where to turn. And it's there that God renews his strength, renews the joy, and ultimately renews hope. See, the reason when we doubt and we, we mire in that too long, and we begin to doubt the love of God in our lives and the consistency of God's faithfulness in our lives. And that depletes us of the ultimate hope that we have in Christ Jesus. That's why we've got to fight for it and realize that the Lord is always there for us. So who is our rock? Who is our firm foundation? Well, it's Christ Jesus. And that's what we find in a relationship with Jesus. Nothing in this world can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. 
Jesus came to provide everything for you and I. Everything. By giving his life for our sins, by reconciling the broken relationship we had with God the Father because of our sin, Jesus reconciled us through his perfect life back to a right relationship with God the Father. It's through Christ Jesus that gives us the ultimate hope of eternal life, that we will be with God because he solved our biggest problem, which was sin and separation. He covers us through his precious blood. He gave everything for you and I on that cross so that we could be with him. That's how much he loves you. When I begin to doubt and I begin to struggle, I always go back to the cross. And I look at the cross and I'm like, Jesus, I didn't deserve that. I didn't earn it. But you demonstrate your love towards us that while we were still sinners, Jesus gave his life for us. I am so thankful that my salvation is not dependent on Barden Gerace's works. Everybody say, whew, Amen. Because in our lives, if that was a dependent thing, you would be very insecure in your walk with the Lord if it was based on your works. So when I know when I make a mistake or I have a bad day, I go back to the cross. And I say, Lord, I need your help. I need your love in my life. And I realize that everything you did for me and I don't deserve it, that's your love for me. And that 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 new that the, the the renewing of that hope is is established again and again as we look to the cross and what Jesus accomplished for us. And when we peek into the empty tomb, we know that Jesus is who he says he is, that he is God, and we can trust him. We can trust him with our very lives. I may not understand everything that may happen in this world or why God allows us to go through certain things, but I do know one thing that we can trust him with our lives and that he's faithful. And he said that, listen, you're going to go through many things in this world. The New Testament does not paint a perfect picture for Christians that everything in this world is going to be perfect. But what he does say is, I will help you and I will walk with you through all the trials of this world because I understand them. Jesus literally came to earth. God himself came and dwelled among us. He understands separation. He understands your pain. He's a perfect high priest that can sympathize with all uh, our weaknesses, yet he was without sin, but he understands us. He knows us. We can trust him with all our hurts and our pains and all the misunderstanding that this world can throw at us and bother us with. Jesus understands. He is a perfect savior in every way. So we can call upon his name. I love Romans eight thirty seven and 39. I love what Paul here, he just, you know, Paul didn't live, on, on, on the exterior, Paul didn't live a great life. Can we be honest? I mean, when you think about him being stoned, almost stoned to death, kicked out of towns, he wasn't the most popular person in, in, you know, in the world. But listen to what he says with all his trials and all the things he's gone through. He says, no, despite all these things, Despite all these things that I've been through, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. For I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow.
Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. We are not guaranteed anything in this world. But here's a guarantee in these verses that in Christ Jesus, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in him. When you are in Christ Jesus, never doubt his love for you. His love for you is not based on your performance. It's not based on how good of a person you can be. Okay, if you're not, if you don't measure up here, then my love is less for you. His love is based on what he sacrificed for you. His love is based on his sacrifice that he gave up everything when we didn't deserve it to reach us, to bring us back into a right relationship with him. That is God's grace. It's that grace that's going to sustain you. It's that grace that's going to give you strength when you are weak. God's grace is always there to forgive over and over and over and over again. I am thankful for the grace of God because I don't deserve it. But through Christ Jesus, he gives us everything. When I look back over this um, this last year, um, it was one of the hardest in my 31 years of ministry. It's not the way I want to lose weight. What we went through as a church, what we went through through the pandemic and the shutdowns, by far was one of the most difficult, hardest years of ministry for me in 31 years. But I would have to say it was one of the greatest too. Go figure. And let me tell you why. It amazes me that through all the shutdowns and everything that we had to battle as a church, not only did Living Word survive, but we thrived through it. I started keeping a journal last year and just writing my thoughts through everything that we were going through and what God was, was showing me. And as I look back over the journals, I've been beginning to read through it. I see God's faithfulness. Even on the days that I wanted to give up and I don't want to go any longer, I'm like, man, I just don't know if I can handle this, Lord. I see God's renewal in little ways. Somebody sent me a note. Somebody said, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Pastor, this scripture was laid on my heart. I just wanted to pray this for you. And God's word just came alive to me. I'm amazed at our church. Our church is in such a healthy position financially right now. Thank you for your faithfulness and your giving. Last summer, we were able to give out a thousand bags of groceries to our community in the midst of the pandemic. We had one of our largest membership classes not too long ago. We continue to baptize new believers. What I love about our baptismal services is we're able to uh, um, get applications and they can share their testimony and what the Lord has done in their life. I read this one application from one teenage girl. And she goes, I grew up in church, but 
It was last year after I went through a very difficult time that I really gave my life to Jesus. I surrendered to him. And I became a follower of Jesus. And let me quote what she's, I can't read, my eyes are so blurry, but let me read them, my glasses on. Here's what she said. I quote, she goes, my faith now is cemented in Jesus. After all she went through and the struggle she went through, my faith now is cemented in Jesus. What, that, what a call to each and every one of us. Is your faith cemented in Jesus, not in your circumstances, not in the negative thoughts, not in what was done or what happened in your past? Is your faith cemented in Christ Jesus? Last year I grew in my walk with the Lord through all the trials. I grew closer to my wife. I wish I grew closer to my kids. Some still live in my house. We're still praying for that. Um, No, I'm just teasing. Love my kids. I want you to know that God uses what we perceive as an inconvenience for his glory and our growth. And this is where I have to go back to the character of God. What we may see as an inconvenience, what, what we may see as a disruption, God says, I want to use this for for my glory. Trust in my love that I'm doing something in you that you may not understand. And that's where obedience, listen, that's where obedience comes in. If you trust God enough to know how much he loves you and what he did for you and what Christ has accomplished for you, then you can trust him through the difficult seasons of your life because you know that it's based on God's love and his grace for us, not on our performance, but it's based on what he's already accomplished for us. So God, I can trust you. I know that you work all things for your good. Those who've been called according to your your purpose, those who love you, I know that I can trust you because you love me and you're not going to leave me and you're not going to forsake me. We have to go back to the character of God. Catch those thoughts captive when the negative thoughts come in, when you doubt your relationship with God, when you don't feel like you're good enough as a Christian and you've blown it again, go back to the character of God. Go back to the cross of Jesus Christ that suffered and died for you and gave his life. We have a Savior that we can find forgiveness in. And we can get a a renewed sense of his grace and his love and his comfort every single day in our lives. I want to read this last uh, passage to you. God speaking, Isaiah writing the words of God, speaking to the nation of Israel who in many ways turned their back on God. But God's speaking about his renewal and, and what he does. And this is such a great picture of, of who we are in Christ Jesus. Isaiah fifty four seventeen says, but in that coming day, no weapon turned against you will succeed. You will silence every voice raised up to accuse you. These benefits are enjoyed by the servant of the Lord. Their vindication will come from me. I, the Lord, has spoken. Listen, no matter what the enemy may say, no matter what negative thoughts come in, no matter what accusatory things may come against you, we are now vindicated in Christ Jesus. 
Jesus has disarmed the power of the enemy through his work on the cross and through his resurrection. So when you begin to get those negative thoughts about yourself or about your past, remind yourself of who you are in Christ Jesus. That in Christ Jesus, we are a new creation. Behold, all things become new. We are a new creation in Christ Jesus. So as we traverse through these difficult times or whatever you've gone through in your life, whatever you're battling with right now in your life, let me encourage you to fight for who you are in Christ. Find your identity in him. And I, and I talk to so many people who struggle with their identity and love because either they weren't, they looked for love, they got hurt, blah, 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 their parents, whatever it might be. But that's not so in our relationship with God. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. For those who are found in the Son, Jesus. Let that be your security today. So as you battle with negative thoughts, renew your mind. Let Jesus renew your hope in him. And let God give you a joy that you're not going to find in your circumstances, but that we can only find in a relationship with his son, Jesus. And that's my prayer for you. That if you feel like you're at your wit's end today, that you would renew your hope and who you are in Christ Jesus. Blanket yourself in Jesus. Hide yourself in Jesus. He loves you. You know that, don't you? He loves you today. So Father God, I thank you for your word today. Lord, I pray for those here today that are just struggling struggling with their past, struggling with their identity, struggling with negative thoughts. Lord, I thank you that in Christ Jesus, we can have a renewed sense of hope each and every day that God is for us, that his love for us is not based on our performance, but it's based on what Christ has already accomplished for us. It's based on his sacrifice for us. He demonstrates that towards us through his son, And so, Lord, I just pray that we would find ourselves in Christ, that solid foundation. He is the core. He is the foundation for everything. And, Lord, may we not look to other things to try to find our joy in who we are and our identity, because those will only be short-lived. So we thank you, Jesus, for loving us for accomplishing everything for us. We love you, we thank you, and we just want to be careful to ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's children said, amen. Amen to God's word.